Good morning, Granada. My name is Diana Cárdenas. And uh, today's scripture comes from Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. It's great to be here this Thanksgiving time, right? Look around. This is the body of Christ. We're normally meeting in other rooms and sometimes at different times, but here we are together to enjoy this time together. The focus is Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but this is, I think, a favorite season, the favorite season for my wife and I. We like to see a turkey before we see a tree. You ever felt that way? And it feels like now in August, the Christmas decorations are out, but we don't want to miss this time. And I want to begin by asking you a question. Like how big, like what is, what is your threshold of gratitude? In other words, how big does the thing have to be for you to sort of push you over the edge? You're like, oh, wow, I'm thankful for this. What does it need to be to trigger gratitude in you. It was June 19th, 1999, with a famous author, I'm sure you've heard of him. His name is Stephen King. He's known for writing horror, right? And he was up in his family home in the summer where they spend in Maine. And that's where they, he retreats to every year. This year, however, was unique. All of his kids came and visited. And they had an awesome family time. And, and also, this was the first summer that his first grandchild was there. So it was quite a family celebration. Now, the thing is, King, every single day, he would go from the house for exercise and he would take a four-mile walk. Three of those miles were on dirt roads. But at one point, he would emerge out onto one of the county two-lane state highways. And that day, as he was walking along, he made his way and he got out onto the paved road and he didn't know that a guy, his name is Brian Smith, was driving down that road behind him in his van. And in his van, Brian had his Rottweiler dog and there was also a cooler with some food in it. And his Rottweiler had decided he wanted some of that food for himself and was opening up the cooler. And so Brian reached back to shoo the, his dog away. And at that time, he didn't know it, he hit Stephen King. Now he thought it was a deer at first, but when he moved forward, actually he hit him in such a way that Stephen King's glasses, though they were twisted, landed in the passenger seat. And so he realized he'd hit a person. And he pulled over to the side of the road and of course called the EMT. The EMT, it took him a little while to come. And when they came, they found him in such a condition. They took him to the first closest hospital, but he was so close, they were afraid he was going to die that they called the helicopter and did one of those life flights. When they got him to a trauma center, they discovered that he had nine fractures to his right leg. 
and that his hip and his pelvis had also been crushed. He had four broken ribs. His spine was actually cracked and chipped in eight different places. And he had a collapsed lung and he had a significant injury to his head. And literally, when the doctors came, they thought they were going to have to amputate his leg, and they first said, we're just going to see if, it, if it, we can keep it, if we can keep his leg. When he woke up, somebody had already been to investigate that accident. And what they said was that van hit him in a place that was about two inches from the main structural support, and if it had been hit by that part of the van, there would have been no give, and the inspector said, oh, you would be dead if that had happened. Also, if he had landed right next to him was a big rock outcropping, and if he hadn't landed on the soft ground and had landed on those rocks, the investigator said, Oh, you'd be dead if that happened. And then somehow when he was struck, he flew into the air and his body twisted so that all the force didn't come onto his head, but on the part of him that was already injured. And the, the investigator said, I don't know how that happened, but if that hadn't happened, you'd be dead. And so the amazing thing was there in the hospital, in the bed, they asked him when he found out what he had been through, how do you feel about this? that you're still alive. And he simply said this, it's God's grace. This is a gift of God. What does it take for a writer of horror fiction, what threshold to get him to the place where he says, God clearly intervened and he wants me here that I didn't die in this moment. Now that's the question for you. This year for me and my wife, it's been an amazing time. It's been like a lot of the little things. Like during Pastor Appreciation Month, I got some gift cards from you guys and letters and just people coming to me saying thank you. All of our past, thank you so much for, for thinking about us and doing that. It's really a sweet thing. Also, Sandy and I this year have already greeted two new grandchildren. And one of the happiest feelings, you'll see of me with a picture of my grandson Gabe. Yeah, this is awesome, right? And so I'm looking forward to holding Luna at some point. She's pretty, pretty tightly bound to her mom right now, but I want to hold her someday. And, uh, you know, think of the feeling of the skin of that newborn baby. And it's like they, they just sort of, their body shapes to you when they lay on your chest and they're asleep. And there's almost like this built-in trust mechanism that God gave them, realizing they're not always going to be small, Right? You're not always going to be able to hold them. But here's this precious moment. And so we thank God. Now what scripture says is that thankfulness, gratitude is a journey. And that's the journey I want to invite you to go on with me today. Would you pray together with me? Father, thank you for your people. As we look around the room, Lord, there's so many beautiful people. And we're from the north and south and east and west as we heard in the call to worship, you've called us together as a people, and you've told us that it's good for us to give you thanks. And so, Lord, help us to do that today, even as food is being prepared for us in the kitchen for lunch out on the lawn, and the reminder of your grace. Help us to learn this way from you because of Jesus, and we pray in his name, amen. That's what it says in the book of Psalms. Psalm 92 starts like this. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name. 
O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. You know, it's good to give thanks. This is going to be good for you. And by the way, we modern people, we love to study stuff. And the guy in our age that has most studied gratitude, his name is Robert Emmons. He's written a whole bunch of books on this. And by the way, all the studies say this is really good for you. By the way, if you express gratitude in any of your relationships, those relationships have the potential of going deeper, going longer, and being stronger. I love this one that Emmons put in his book. People who gratitude, who wrote in their gratitude journal and who did that on a pretty regular basis are 25% happier than everybody else. And not only that, he said, they also exercised 30% more. And I'm like, oh man, maybe that's the route <laughs> to like weight loss, right? I've got to be grateful over here. I'll exercise more over there. Those who express gratitude, they experience life in a different way. And so all the studies are like, hey, this is something to get into. This is something to learn about. This is going to benefit you in every area of your life. And that makes people wonder, well, why are we not more grateful? Why do we not experience this more? Right in the New Testament, our condition is explained like this by the Apostle Paul. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, it says the, one of the major problems in our world is actually ingratitude. Now, I think the two major causes that I think of when I think of our ingratitude is first, as you look at the universe, we just sort of think now it just is here. We don't make that connection to the fact that God made all of this stuff, all the complexity and the beauty and the glory actually had to come from somewhere. We just sort of take it as if it's always been there, maybe always will be there. And we miss the, path, the fact that God has created such beautiful diversity. For example, I don't know if you know this, God loves beetles a lot. You know, those little bugs. And the reason he loves it, we know this, he made almost half a million species of beetles. Right? I mean, that's amazing. And you begin to look at South Florida and the bounty of where we live. Every morning I get up and I walk our dog Bailey as the sun is going up and the squirrels and birds are all coming out. And you think of the, the kinds of trees that we have here, right? We're surrounded by lush landscapes. They're glorious palm trees, over 20, almost 30 varieties here. We have a banyan tree. They're Florida oaks, gumbo limbo, cypress, royal poinsettias, and pines. That's just to name a few. Those are the ones around your houses and where we live. And then there are birds. Don't get me started. There are egrets and ibises. There are hawks and herons and ospreys. Two nights ago, as the sun was coming down, my wife and I are walking through our neighborhood. We looked up on one of the power lines, and there was one of these guys, right? This tiny little owl, and he was scanning, right, to find a mouse in our neighborhood. And us walking past him didn't disturb him at all. It was a beautiful thing. And so I think, think of the gift of our loving God, the bounty of this city in which we're living. And you ask, how can we not be grateful for this? But then I find a second thing in me. And I think it's like the individualism we're taught to live with, that, that somehow the universe is all about me and, and everything is right when it swings around and, and seems to be working only for my benefit. We're taught to live like that. So instead of seeing that God made me a part of something bigger and it's really about him, 
We, we miss this. I love the story. It was told by one of our pastors here from years ago about this family here in Carl Gables. The next door neighbor came over and bought the boys, uh, he had this man had boys, a case of Cokes. And that's when they used to come in those wooden cases. You remember the, the glass bottles in the wooden cases and brought them over. Man, these boys were thrilled. Their mom was like, you know, maybe you could drink one every day or every other day. And after they finished all those Cokes, they had the empty crate, right? And the dad said, we're going to go next door so that you can thank our neighbor. And so he led them over. He stood back. He let the boys go to the door with the empty crate. They knocked on the door and he said, hey, you know what to say, right? And they said, yeah, yeah, we know what to say. The door opened and the man came out who was their neighbor and the boys said, when are you going to give us more Cokes? <laughs> and you see that gift had already become entitlement. That's why we're here with the empty, you know? And you begin to think this is sort of us as humanity. And before long, we miss the sight of, wow, we've been given a gift. They assumed more was coming, and we're the same way. And so this is what I've learned. To keep God at the center of our lives is like a heroic act of defiance. It's almost rebellion in our world, right? To say, I'm going to keep my life focused on God. So how am I going to be grateful? And that's what I want to look at with you from Psalm 100, how we learn this gratitude. And as I mentioned, it was understood that we would not naturally be grateful. We have to learn this. And so I begin with a couple of questions. Are you grateful? Which of these statements characterize you? Would you say, I have so much in my life to be thankful for? Would you say, I often reflect on how much easier my life is because of the actions, because of the efforts of others? You realize how many people are around us making these lives work? Or are you, I'm somewhere in these, sometimes in these places, when I look at the world, I don't see much to be grateful for, right? Or do you, do, would you say this about yourself, long amounts of time can pass before I find myself feeling grateful about anything. Or maybe you would say this, it takes an awful lot for a person like me to be appreciative. Where are you? And you say, well, what is this gratitude stuff? It's simply this, it is the glad sense that you have been gifted with something undeserving by someone. It's the glad sense of the awareness of this, right, that comes to be expressed. And in the Bible, it's mentioned over 150 times. God commands his people to give thanks. And by the way, he doesn't do this because he needs our gratitude. He does this for this reason. It's only in the enjoyment of his gifts in giving thanks that we actually fully appreciate them for what they are. You know this, right? You go to a new restaurant, and the food is awesome, and how do you enjoy it more when you can tell six people about it? Or you've, been, or you've watched a movie that's amazing, and you find yourself telling people about it, and in the telling of people, actually the enjoyment of it is brought to fulfillment. You see, this is why God commands this for us. Gratitude is, in, in, is remembering and enjoying we see it, we remember it, we speak about it, and we then increase the enjoyment of this. And God wants you to do that. He wants you to enjoy his gifts. Now, our text comes from an assembly song when the people would come together like this that was sung by God's people. It begins like this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with sadness. 
Come, um, gladness, not sadness, gladness. <laughs> Come before him with joyful songs, right? Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. They called this song Jubilate because it's this joyous celebration of, of shouting, of, of exuberance over God. And by the way, it's also called an orientation song. In other words, you sing this song and it, it's like your orientation. Ah, oh, this is how I fit in the world. This is who I am. And we remember this. You ever stopped to look at that? You ever stopped and looked and said, how did I get here? What were those steps that brought me here? For example, I often think of if I hadn't taken uh, a year off between the first and second year of graduate school I had, I wouldn't have taken a job in a church where I met Sandy, we fell in love, and then we got married. We wouldn't have our kids. I, I wouldn't be married to her. And you know what? I almost didn't do that. There was this moment of decision. But this is a gift, Right? And I also think of it like this. When I was in college, if a guy didn't reach out to me, another man, and take me under his wing and mentor and encourage me, I wouldn't be standing up here in front of you guys. I wouldn't be here except for that. And this is a secret about thanksgiving and learning to be grateful. They would say it as simple as this. Thinking leads to thanking. Thinking leads to thanking. Right? Think about this. It's a perspective. And by the way, this passage where it says, know that the Lord is God, it's not just a knowledge in your head, but it's that you've seen this. You have this perspective. God is Lord over all of this. This is how this has happened. It's a beautiful thing. And by the way, then they tell their story. And their story is awesome because they should not be where they are. They shouldn't even be a people. Think of their stories. They had been nobodies. That word Hebrew literally means a person who lives on the other side of the river, because they did in Egypt. And maybe in your town, you, there, there were people you talked about, you said, oh, they live on the other side of the tracks. That was them. They were Bedouins, slaves. Abraham had been a wandering Aramean, a nobody. But God chose them, and then he set them free from their bondage. They became a people. They're, they're like, well, how did this happen? This shouldn't have happened, and here I am. And likely, you're also living a this-shouldn't-have-happened story yourself. They know that the Lord is God because God brought them out. God did the impossible. Listen to James chapter 1. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. But the question is, is that how you see it? Do you see it as all gifts? We need to look at it a little closer. I, I like the question that's posed by the Apostle Paul. How would you answer this one? What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have in your life? Did you, did you choose to be born? Did you choose to have health? Did you choose those abilities? I know what we say is we say, well, but I've worked hard and I've, I've gone to school and I've gotten that degree and, and, you know, I've worked really hard so I can move forward and make partner where I work. Well, who gave you your intelligence? Who even provided you with a human life to live? You see, it's all about perspective. Seeing gratitude, by the way, is one of the themes, if you're a movie watcher, I'll tell you about a, an old movie, right, black and white, of one of the Jimmy Stewart movies. Have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? This is Jimmy Stewart from that movie. Um, he's, he's better known for that movie. 
but he also was in a movie called Shenandoah. If you have a chance to watch it, it's an amazing story. He plays the part of a Virginia farmer during the Civil War. And by the way, he's grumpy. He's a hardworking guy, but, you know, it's all about him and what he's been able to accomplish. He's also a widower. His wife has passed away. And you sort of get the thrust of his life when he's at dinner one night with his family. You'll see him seated with them. And his, he prays. Listen to his prayer. Lord, Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, harvested. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We do worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. And in many ways, that's sort of what we think about our lives, right? When we get to Thanksgiving, it's like, well, I did all of this, and, and we sort of made this possible. That's how all of this happened. But let me tell you what happens to him in the story. God, is, he sees, isn't in the picture. He's praying out of duty, not out of real gratitude. But then his family faces great suffering. One of his sons is killed by a stray bullet in the conflict. Another son and daughter-in-law are also, also die. And then his third son is taken and made a prisoner of war. He's taken away. So imagine he had all of this bounty. You could see it around the table and he couldn't thank God. Now he has nothing and he's overwhelmed by this. And one day he just cannot take it anymore because he can't make sense of his world. He, he thought he was in control of everything. He thought he made it all happen. And he goes back to the cemetery where his wife is buried and standing there in front of her stone, he, he's, he's working it out. He wishes he could talk to her and ask her, why does this happen? What is going on? And as he's doing that, the church bells toll. He doesn't even know it's Sunday. And he just starts walking toward the church building. And as he's walking toward the church building, a young man starts to come from the side of the scene. And guess who this is? This is his son who had been the prisoner of war. He didn't know if he would ever see him again. And he takes him an arm and they walk into the church. And as they walk into the church, right then the second hymn is being introduced and the people stand up and sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You see, it's about the way you see things, the way you see your life, right? Is it a gift of God? Has God been at work? Has God loved you? Is this about honoring him? Or is it the work of your hand. And I think there's a day when we see that, we begin to realize, wow, this life is all a gift. I didn't even have to have a human life, but I do. And we see that it's all received and given by God. And that's what leads to the second part, right? It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And then he reaches all the way forward. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You see, it's then we begin to express this. We can see the gifts of God. You see, gratitude doesn't matter unless you express it. It's not warm feelings in your heart. It's saying something. Maybe you've heard of this guy. His name is Martin Seligman. He taught at the University of Pennsylvania, and he did a study of this. 
He had a class every year, and with that class, he would ask them to identify somebody in their life that they're really thankful for. And then he would say, I want you to write them a letter. It has to be at least 300 words long. But he not only had them think about it and write the letter, he said, now if it's possible, if this person is living, I want you to go and visit them, and I want you just to read the letter to them. And he said, whenever the students would do this, the people there would be in tears. Because remember, giving thanks takes that thing which is a gift and, is, and you're able to enjoy it even more. And the students would experience this. What he learned is it was so difficult to do that. The students didn't want to do that at all. That was a part of the assignment they didn't want to do. And one such student had written a beautiful letter to his parents, thanking him for loving him and his brother. And he just couldn't share it with his parents. He went to be with his parents over a break, like a Thanksgiving break. And while he was there, his younger brother was injured in an accident, and he ended up with his parents at the hospital standing beside them where his brother that night passed away. When they got back to the house, he was so overwhelmed with grief, and his parents were too. He didn't know what to do. So he went into his bag, and he pulled out the letter, and he read the letter of thanks to his parents, remembering all they had done to serve him and his brother. And that moment became one of the most important moments in their lives because it, it changed the way they saw everything. They could see it through the eyes of gratitude, and it helped them even to grieve. Psalm 100 tells about bringing this into worship. By the way, the word worship, that's your Bible, is exactly the same in Hebrew as the word to serve. Serve the Lord with gladness or worship the Lord with gladness. And the reason is because what can we do? God has done all of this and provided this to us. We can't give him anything. All we can do is, is thank him. That's why this is our service. And again, God commands us to do this because he wants to enjoy these gifts, to get what they are. This is a sign we have truly seen God's grace for what it is. We enjoy those gifts fully. And we do understand that, right? On this, a year ago, one of the, the, the stories, I hold on to stories sometimes, like I can't wait to share this one. Because um, as COVID was coming to an end, this uh, preparatory school in the south side of Chicago, you'll see a picture from it called Johnson College Prep School. By the way, in this school, over 40% of the kids in that school have some kind of gun, crime, and violence in their family. A brother was shot, a father went to jail, and so they don't have a future. They don't even think, what is going to happen? What will happen when they graduate? What kind of future do they have? But there was also a guy in Chicago. You'll see a picture. His name is Peter Cadens. He made so much money. He was like, man, this is it's not even right to have this much money. I got to find a way to give it away. So he showed up at that school uh, last summer, 2022, and he told the graduating students, other people have done this. He said, look, I'm going to pay for your college education. Pick out whatever college you want to go to. I'll pay the tuition, I'll pay the room, I'll pay the board. I'm even going to pay for the books. And now this party starts to break out. Wow, the kids start flipping out. But he wasn't finished because the parents were there. And he said, I'm also going to pay for each one of your parents to go to college. If they have not been to college and they want to go to college, I'm going to pay all their bills too. 
tuition, room board, books, whatever, whatever it costs, because I want you to have a future. One of the kids there had actually been praying because he didn't know what his future is. You'll see a picture of him here. His name is Kaveran Newson. He'd been praying, just trusting God with his life. Follower, right? And when this happened, this is what he said. I love this. He said, I'm still trying to process all those feelings because of what just happened. It was, I mean, simply amazing. Listen to what he said. But God will get some special time from me tonight. He said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get on my knees because I know it, yeah, it came from this guy, but God is the one who provided that. And when I read that story, I thought, isn't that the cross? I mean, don't we spend our whole life, it's like, I'm still processing this. God has loved me. He's forgiven me. He's brought me into his family. He's adopted me as his child. He's promised goodness. He's given me a future that goes into life with him. I'm still processing this stuff. Paul says it like this. He says, he says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. He says, I know who I am. I'm not that person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see that passage when it says, enter into his, his gates? Nobody gets to go into the gates of God. Nobody has, has, has a pure heart and clean hands. And here, because of this grace, God is saying, hey, come on in. This is going to be a celebration. Come and celebrate. And we have so much to celebrate. It, it reminds me, I had a, had a friend who, who got a kidney transplant. He was young and in his 20s when one of his kidneys wasn't working and the other one failed. And a guy in his church who was in his 30s and actually had two young children that he didn't even know very well came to him and said, I want to donate one of my kidneys to you. I found that I'm a match, and he did. And my friend said to me, how do I thank somebody who has done that for me? There are no words to say. There's no words to express, but he did, of course. And I think this is the place where we find ourselves in. It's why Paul says this. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Right? His indescribable gift. This is how he has loved us. So this is what I want to do with you. I want to challenge you this Thanksgiving. I want to give you a Thanksgiving challenge. Sometime between now and Thursday, I want you to you know, ask God to help you see um, that one thing that you need to remember and see. Go back over your life. Look at the ways God has given to you the gift specific to you, and then take time before Thursday to, if you need to thank that person, to call them or visit them and thank God for his gift. Would you pray with me? Father, our hearts are tender. I know mine is. I see that story of, of Charlie Anderson, who when he heard the doxology, realized all of his life had always been gift. He felt it was all his own doing. And I pray that you would give us that perception too. And by thinking, it would lead us to thanking. And you would make us a people of gratitude. Not so just because we exercise more than, but because, because we see. We recognize what we've been given. And we can live in the joy of that. And so thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for what's also prepared for us in the front lawn. And people have already been serving. 
and working, people whose names we probably don't even know, so that we could have a time of joy and community together. Open our eyes to your gifts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.